out. <laughs> I'm coming out. Uh-uh. I want the world to know. Hey, happy Pride, Josephine. <laughs> happy Pride, Miss Wendy. It's Pride. I'm it proud of you. Is. I'm proud of me, too. Yay. Yes. We're celebrating Pride Month's. Pride Month. See, in San Diego, we get two Pride Months. Exactly, because our Pride is middle of July. We push it into that second month there. Exactly. And whilst sevens of listeners, we are recording this on Independence Day. Yes. (laughs) We're not really feeling super patriotic. No. Not in a nation that locks up children. No. So instead... We're focusing on the gay. On the gay. On the queer of it all. On the queer. And there's a lot of it. it. Hashtag close the camps. Anyway. Yes. There's a lot of it in this month, no? There's so much gay happening in this month. In this month of June. This whole month of June has been shoved into the gay corner. Basically. Yeah. All of June is a gay corner. Yes. For the most part. Most of it. Yeah. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah? Doing all right, yeah. I went to a little barbecue today with some other gays. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I did not get the memo that we were supposed to be wearing bright colors and bold patterns. <laughs> so I showed up in a jeans and a t-shirt. Lots of people are not following the patriotic themes of today's. No. Of today's. Of today's. You know. I'm here for it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. There it is. All right. I've been in my sweaty workout clothes all day. I like it. There it is. This is me. Yes. <laughs> Stank and all. There it is. <laughs> You're going to send the flood. You're going to drown them out. <laughs> Once again, I'm really grateful that you guys can't see me and can only hear me. <laughs> it's like this woman sounds so fabulous. I'm also fabulous. grateful that you can't smell me right now either. True. Because True. I'm a little ripe. I feel. I think we need another Miss Wendy, uh, like sketch of what you're wearing. Oh, I can do that. Yes, I'll do that. And then we'll do like little like lines, squiggly lines to denote scent. <laughs> to denote odor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I can do that. What's on the menu today? Stay, stay tuned to our Instagram, our <laughs> bumping Instagram page. I know for that. <laughs> yes, we we appreciate you following our Instagram so we do, page. I think we have a hundred followers now. Oh yay, a hundred people! Follow us, like and subscribe and stuff. Yes. Um. So guys, June we have lots to cover. Um. First of all, before we get into the whoopee. Can we talk about, like, the shining jewel of pop culture knowledge that we need to discuss that you texted me frantically? Yes, I did. What is it? So, um, everyone, all of, you know, our prayers to La Virgen were answered. Yes. Because One Day at a Time has now been saved. One day at a time, one day at a time. Yes. This is it. (laughs) It has been saved. Yes. And what does that say about Netflix? Really? (laughs) Truly. Netflix is usually the network that saves all of the canceled shows, right? And gives them options to continue with blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season 14 as needed to have closure. And instead... Netflix done went ahead and canceled one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And then what network picked it up? Uh, Pop TV. Who ever heard of Pop TV? Who has Pop TV? Uh, a lot of people now. A lot of people. Well, Pop TV also does um, Shit's Creek. Oh, okay. So they still ha- they have like a Netflix, like Pop TV has like a property that's really 
really like has new life on Netflix because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of people watch it anyway. And so live episodes um, in the first runs are always on pop TV. But so there's that relationship that they, that the two networks have, mm-hmm. but I'm exactly what you said though. What does that mean for this like company who is known for like, I mean, they just picked up, they picked up a fourth and like who asked for it season of designated survivor and released right? like 10 episodes. Like no one was asking for that, no. but they saved it and they saved like you on, mm-hmm. on lifetime. Like they're saving these shows, but it's like the one, the one like really great gem that Netflix yeah. turned out, they like kind of turned a blind eye to. Yeah, exactly. In yeah. favor of like Mr. Iglesias on Netflix. Yeah, which is not on this menu because I watched yeah. it and it was not good. So we're going to save space for things that do need talking about. Exactly. Um, but One Day at a Time is getting its fourth season. I wonder how it's going to translate to a live TV format as far as like week to week and not one, you know, a bingeable show. Mm-hmm. So well, that'll be interesting. Well, then I also wonder too, will the, the first three seasons still continue to live on Netflix? I hope so. I mean, they have that agreement with them, so they probably will. Mm-hmm. So since they already do the Shit's Creek stuff, so mm-hmm. I'm sure they probably will. Because, you know, you know Netflix got to keep something, you know? Well, well, wrong move, Netflix. We'll see yeah, what's up. Exactly. Julia Roberts is leaving your, is coming into your shop and saying, big mistake, huge. Basically. Yeah. Um, also, Pretty Woman just announced its closing date on Broadway. Oh, my God. Here you go. Um, as share did, show too, as did the share show, yeah. Um, as did the prom, so oh. lots of the you know post Tony awards. Lots of our the shows that we talked about in our Tony episode are like getting the axe. Yeah. Um, How do we feel about cast announcements for the prom movie? I don't know if you've seen. I did see a few of them. I don't know enough about it. Mm-hmm. But I am excited that it's going to have a life beyond Broadway. I'm excited as well. We'll um, see more Meryl singing. And Ryan Murphy is producing it. Mm-hmm. Directing it? Um, I think he is both. I think he's doing both. I feel like he's whatever he touches is going to be yeah. important mm-hmm. and good. And I think that the fact that he's taken on that project right away kind of stresses the importance of it for LGBTQ youth. And yeah. I think that that is why everyone's signing on to it. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that as as more announcements are made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we get into the whoopee list? Let's do it. Okay. We are going to talk about When They See Us, which was the Netflix series of the now exonerated Central Park Five. Mm-hmm. Um that actually came out on May 31st, but we decided to push it into this month so that we could kind of spend some more time talking about it. We are going to talk about season two, kicking off of Pose. Pose. Live. Work. Um, I want to talk about Late Night, Mindy Kaling's movie with Emma Thompson. Yes, of course. Which I saw. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Okay, well then I'm going to talk at you about it. Um, but I really want to see it because I love, I mean, I love Mindy Kaling, I love Emma Thompson, and I love Late Night. So. You should see it. Yeah, okay. Um. Los Espookies. Los Espookies, which is for me. And that's, uh, it's a new Spanish language show on HBO. Yes, which I did not see. Um, it, but you're well, going to talk to me about it. Oh, I will talk at you about that. Fantastic. Wonderful. Um, I'm going to talk to you all about So You Think You Can Dance. Yes. Filling in the glitter sport quotient. <laughs> quotient. Yes. And while I believe it to be the dumbest name for a television show ever... 
So You Think You Can Dance. Um, it has been a big part of my summer living for the oh. last like 16 summers. So, okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know why we never talked I about it before. I did not know that. Yeah. No, okay. I'm like a very, very into. So well, because I feel like dance. I'm the only friend that like you talk to about dancing with the stars. About so, the glitter sports. So I feel like. Well, lump yeah. that up in there because I'm here for it. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's get going on um, that. We're going to talk about Big Little Eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And then uh, so many things related to Pride Month. Yes. So, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the gay shit yet. So here's the gay shit. We're talking about Tales of the City on Netflix. We are talking about um, Megan Rapinoe having a, an amazing moment in uh, the Women's U.S. Soccer League. Yes. We're talking about you seeing Eddie Izzard. Yes, in San Diego, yes. Mm -hmm. And then we're talking about how YouTube had so much content for us this month. Blew up with, yeah. uh, with gayness. So Joe's going to take us through all of the step-by-steps of the YouTube gay. Yes. Yes. All right. Here we so, go. Are we in it? I'm in it. <sighs> I'm breaking out my list now. Okay. We are talking right now about When They See Us. Oh, my God. Ava DuVernay's beautiful, amazing, amazing series. Yeah. On the Central Park Five. You saw it. It made me so angry. Of course it I did. I mean, it made, I, I knew it was going to make me angry, but I just didn't realize, like, how much I wanted to, like... Because I there was I think I watched the first episode on my phone, mm -hmm. um, and I just wanted to like pick up my phone and throw it against the wall because mm -hmm. I just couldn't like. Also, the fact that like now, <laughs> now what's her name? Uh, Felicity Huffman is a convicted felon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is karma on a completely twisted level, but. You mm -hmm. know, and I feel like maybe that's why she's like, no, we need to just, I need to just plead guilty because <laughs> I know how the system works and uh, it's not going to come out. It's not going to happen. So, but yeah, it was, um, it was infuriating. Uh, so you, did you lived in New York during this time? I did. Yes. Um, I, for the record, I just, for those of us who are not familiar with the story of the Central Park Five, um, five completely innocent young boys of color mm -hmm. were targeted basically for the rape and near death of a female jogger in Central Park um, in 1989 89. in April of 89 yeah uh, so the five boys were Kevin Richardson Antron McRae Yusef Salam Corey Wise Raymond Santana um I was in fifth grade. Yeah, you would have been. Fifth grade, sixth yeah. grade, yeah, yeah, when when all this was going down. And I think that, like, the beauty of this series is that hindsight is, like, real fucking heavy. Because at the time, I like, I remember Trump taking out the full-page ad. Yeah. I remember all of that, like, and I remember it being in the news a little bit, but, like, it was kind of easy to dismiss as another headline. When you see it in this context, in yeah. like the racial tensions of what was happening in the NYPD, what's like what was going on in the country at the time, like and and the context of these boys' lives, where their whole lives were taken from them, you know, it's 
this really truly was the first time that their stories were told. Yeah. And so there's been so much press around this since. And Oprah then did a follow-up interview series with the five, the exonerated five, and then all of the actors who portrayed them as well. Um, and all of the exonerated five have said that like, this is the first time that someone really told the story from their point of view. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. And so four of them were tried in juvie and sent to like one facility. And then Corey, Corey was sent, Corey Wise was sent and tried as an adult. Cause so he was 16. He was 16. And so he was sent to just a str- He had like a very, very different experience and you can see how it fucked him up so badly today. I have to say that that was probably the most, that was the most infuriating part mm-hmm. of that, of that first episode where he's just kind of like, he was like an afterthought and he was like, even like, yeah, go support your friend. And he was literally, he only went down to the station to support his friend. Yeah. And he got the worst sentence of all of them. It's really like maddening and disheartening to watch and makes you incredibly sad and frustrated, but also it's such an insane commentary on the shit that's still happening today yeah, absolutely. in racial profiling and, and just who's policing the police, you know? Yeah. It was with such impunity. That's mm. the thing. It's that it was so, it was with such impunity that they were like talking to them. And I'm like, there, I feel like, I feel like any family, um, any family with young children, especially families of color, like, would would should watch that first episode and just be like lawyer like <laughs> ask lawyer. for a lawyer know your rights because and that's what yeah. i mean when i say hindsight is 2020 is yeah. that today we have these conversations and we have the visuals of what it means to have the conversation with your kids to to call your parents immediately to like put your phone on record when a cop pulls you over like we have these conversations now today in 89 we didn't, A, have the technology to have phones in our pockets doing those things. We didn't, you know, like hindsight is twenty twenty. We didn't know that little baby boo-boos needed to have those kinds of. And especially like those kids, they were just, they were kids, mm-hmm. kids. They were just kids. Babies. And they were just trying to not be involved in the actual things that were mm-hmm. going on. Exactly. And and the thing that really got me is that I am that kid. Mm-hmm. I was that kid who like accidentally walked into a bathroom where everyone was smoking in a in my high school once in my when I was still living on Guam mm-hmm. and it was literally like like everyone was smoking and I'm like oh fuck I better leave but I really need to use the bathroom mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like used the bathroom and then left and like you know no one said anything but it was just so fascinating because like I was that kid who could have easily gotten swept up even though they were just trying to walk through the park or avoid Mm -hmm. because like when they see them and then they avoid when they see them when they saw that crowd and then they avoided them Mm -hmm. I was just like yeah that's totally what I would have done totally what I would have done yeah there's so many parallels and like to see New York in the 80s and early 90s like and we've talked about this before too, yeah, yeah, like yeah. when New York is depicted in film and television. Like for me, that's always a very t- tangible, like tactile kind of sensory. You can really thing feel because it. Yeah, that was what I grew up in. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Central Park is that big and that vast, and and while parts of it are crazy unsafe, there are also parts of it that like you feel like this is my home. I'm totally okay to walk through it, you know. But then 
this hindsight of if you're a person of color, you can't, you know, or it's not safe for you to do that. Especially if you're a young boy of color, it's definitely not safe for you to do that. So it's, you know, and we'd like to think that 30 years later, things have changed. They haven't. No. So who's policing the police? Exactly. It it puts a premium on white bodies. Mm -hmm. It puts a premium on, on white bodies. And the thing is too, is that they, I felt like they were trying to make it about gender. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, this is something that these animals, like, oh, these animals did to this woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, so, you know, a child, you who is basically, who's, you know, none of the evidence matched up. And it was just so infuriating. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, my mother worked in law enforcement. She was a forensic scientist. And mm-hmm. I grew up with the idea that, like, if you are in trouble... Then, or if they're, the police will come and help you. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never, it, it's not, it's been a fairly recent um, idea and thought to me that perhaps it's maybe we don't call the state. <laughs> mm-hmm. Perhaps maybe we don't call members of the state with guns mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of like, maybe that's not the first place that we go uh, because it could cause just more problems or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking like, and I can understand why people who are living in those communities would be completely hesitant to do that. Mm -hmm. But you can see, especially with um, Antron's family, you can see that like, you know, we just want, we, we, they were like believing that the system is working for them. Yep. And then Yusuf's mom being like, fuck this, this is not working. This, we know this is not working for us. And so like, it's one of those things where it's like, you just kind of have to call, you just have to call it what it is and just realize that, no, this is, this is still what we're living in today. Yeah. And I, I, I almost like don't want to pin this all like solely on Trump's America because racial tension has always been there. It has certainly been heightened under this administration. Um, and we're seeing so much more of it. So it's much more visible in 2019 than maybe ever before, which is why pieces like this, this like beautiful piece of art is so important today yeah. more than ever. It wouldn't be as impactful if it wasn't in this time. Like that's mm-hmm. the, that's the sad part about like the really powerful pieces of art and media that are being created now is that it's all being done with that kind of like added. There's a lot of resistance art that's being made now, but mm-hmm. it's all stuff that's really prescient because of the madness that we're living in. Because it's a response. Because it's a response mm-hmm. and it's it's not going to have the same punch during like Obama times. Like mm-hmm. this is this is the time when it's like you need to make these, you really need to make the these hard decisions. Yeah. And I think the, the big full circle moment here is that a man who was a rich white man sitting in a place of privilege and power took out a full page ad and called for the execution of five boys of color. Children. Yeah. Five boys, children Mm -hmm. of color is now sitting in the highest office in the land. And that is the full circle moment here is that the man who did that, the man who called for the execution of children, brown bodies is now the leader of the free world. And that's a really, really depressing moment. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. Um, but thank you, Eva DuVernay. Yes, I hope this is. I hope this is given. It's you know, I absolutely hope that this is given I, every this recognition. This is going to be sweeping Emmys and Golden Globes, and it's certainly going to be recognized to the high heavens. And yeah, 
it needs to be, deserves to be. Absolutely. 100%. It was beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, props to the Exonerated Five for sharing their stories. Yeah. Really beautiful. Required watching, I probably would say. Required and difficult watching. Yeah. And actually, when I watched, um, I think after I watched the first episode and or two, I listened to Sean King's podcast uh-huh. on the Central Park Five and, like, his take on it and and him saying, like, this is difficult homework but you have to watch it and it's true you very much like some of the other difficult things that we've talked about on this podcast it's hard to watch this took me almost the entire month to get through it's hard because i wanted to stop but i was like you know this is important no this is important it gnaws on like every raw nerve you have um and it it's so disturbing and upsetting but it's so important to watch and to feel every second of it. And the and the boys that they got? <sighs> so beautiful. Beautiful, like, beautiful performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked a little bit about that in um, in the afterthought, not afterthought, the, 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 post, the follow-up the, conversation yeah, the follow-up. with Oprah. Did you see that part of it? I didn't watch it. No, okay. I didn't watch that. I mean, there goes Oprah, you know. You know. Starting those conversations for us again. Yes. Whatever. The, the, the nation's moderator. Right? Like. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, Oprah. They should be... get Oprah to not moderate a debate I was going to say, yeah. the presidential debates. Get Oprah in on that. She'll clear some shit up right away. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like she sat down with the cast of characters. She sat down with the Exonerated Five and Ava DuVernay. And it, it was just... Again, like the beginning of that conversation, you've seen this really tough thing now, and now how do you unpack it, and how do you talk about it, and how do you process it, and that was kind of like the beginning steps of it. So, big ups to Oprah for that too. Yes. Oh, <sighs> I know, right? Sorry to start off so heavy, but you know, we really we started off with one day at a time. So. Take your take your medicine and <sighs> and and go forth and see. Yep. Yep, and in the meantime, we're going to bring it back now to season two with Mother Porter. With Mother Porter and Pose. Yes. Live. Work. Um, Season two, we are, what, three episodes in so far? We are three episodes in. They took a week off uh, Mm -hmm. right after uh, World Pride. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you may ask yourself, uh, sevens of listeners, why is this... Um, above the gay corner. Well, why not? Yeah. It needs to be. Yeah, it needs to be. Um, yeah. What are you thinking about season two? So, full disclosure, I have I watched the first episode. I've seen it twice so far. And okay. I watched it, first time I watched it live with Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, at, he does a weekly viewing party. And then um, I'm actually saving up the next two uh, to watch this weekend. Cool. So I know I'm very excited to see uh, Patty Lapone, Leona Helmsley uh-huh. type person. Yeah. Um, I was like, wow. She has a real fun moment in this. I mean, that's incredibly, you know, racist and awful as the early 90s were. But she's perfection in it. Um, so season two of Pose starts with 1990, 89, 90. Uh, right 1990, same yeah. time of, of when they see Central us. Central Park Five, yeah. Um, and the release of Madonna's Vogue, right? Mm-hmm. So the ballroom scene is now kind of like on the cusp of like, A, are they appropriating our culture? But B, they're bringing like mainstream light to what we've been doing for years. So the balance of like, this could be a really exciting moment for ballroom or it could be that they're just taking what we've 
done. Yeah. Yeah. And then also like this is the 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 height of act up mm-hmm. and 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 um Blanca uh Blanca eventually still getting her her official diagnosis of just full blown AIDS now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and again, what is your legacy? You know, you know, her she lives for her children. If mm-hmm. she's not gonna be there, what is mm-hmm. her legacy? Yeah. Um I I got I really think, political. Got really political. I really feel like they I feel like it, the performances have actually gotten us so much, like have ramped up a little bit mm-hmm. and it's just, they just feel so real. Electra is going to be Electra, and mm-hmm. I just cannot wait to dive a little bit more. In. I think you can see in the performances too the impact that this show season one had yeah. on mm-hmm. the culture and how many people are following so that by the time season two hit, like, all of this cast, like they've all realized that like they put a dent in something and they need to step it up. Yeah. And like, I've heard from friends, Mm -hmm. friends of ours that we know won't name them by name. Uh, that's not to drag them, but like, they're not here for it. They're not here for the show. Well, they don't, they don't think that it's good in terms of the performances. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yeah, they're just not good. And I'm thinking like, okay, that's very, you know, that's very privileged of you to say that mm-hmm. it's not good. But at the same time, you have to understand. And I would agree with some of that. We've talked about that. We, that we have talked about it. Some of these performances are not like elevated acting, but yeah. the inclusivity of the, the, the show. Exactly. The importance of the part of the narrative is the fact that who they cast are identify in a way that no cisgendered woman could identify Correct. with the experience of like a former or current like trans sex worker of color, you know, yeah. like color. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's like you, yeah. I mean, like if you want Meryl Streep to come in there and play, you know, <laughs> Electra abundance, <laughs> then go ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, Car- if you want Scarlett Johansson to play angel, fine. Mm-hmm. But, at, but like, we also need to give those opportunities to those actresses who may have not have ever had the opportunity to play something that is very close close to their person, mm-hmm. you know, cisgendered, cisgendered people, white people, um, wh- white people, they get to play themselves. They get to see themselves portrayed. And so now for those, you know, for, again, it's always that like future young trans kid, right. Mm-hmm. That will be seeing this and says that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're in it. We're in season two. Pose. Yeah. It's going to be a good watch. It's going to be good. It already is a good watch. It already is. Um, We're going to move on to Late Night. Late Night. With Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson. So Mindy Kaling wrote this movie. uh, And I'm a big fan of hers. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I saw it. You have not seen this movie? I have not seen this movie, but it is on my... It has been on my radar. So yes. Um, I... In watching this movie, I had a lot of thoughts on it. It was delightful and charming, but it was smart as hell, Mm -hmm. which is what I love about Mindy Kaling's writing. Um, But it spoke about some things that we haven't seen being talked about yet. So it addressed the idea of the white dude in the office who's pissed that there's a diversity hire. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and Mindy Kaling really pushing back on the fact that she's not just a diversity hire, she's talented. Yeah. Um, so addressing that elephant in the room was really 
exciting to see and really important, important. yeah very important um and how we marginalize people of color in the office and why diversity in the office is so important right because she's the only person of color who walks into a room of cis white men who are yeah. writing these like really stale jokes for an older white woman yeah you know british um, british woman yeah. yeah so so um it also speaks a lot to uh Emma Thompson's character and the double standard in industry that, you know, they hold women to a different standard in terms of like their social lives and behaviors and their marriages and, and their career. Like, you know, we could have the same stale white dude telling jokes for a million years and he'd be fine to stay on the air. But if a woman isn't like sharp and with it and relevant, then she's easier to cut. Um, so it touched on a lot of that and there was a lot of it that was like, oh, sweet and like a little bit like romantic and stuff, but it wasn't about like finding a man. It wasn't about catching a man. It wasn't about any of that. It was really about office politics, mm. but from a very f- female centered place and from the place of a woman of color entering a new industry, you know, and yep. beating out. So the idea is that Mindy Kaling enters the writer's room, right? And she's up against another white dude who's like young, fresh out of college, who would have been grandfathered into this job, right? Like the nephew of one of the other or whatever. Yeah, someone from the, you know, National Lampoon, Harvard, Exactly, and so she gets this job over so-and-so's like little brother. Um, And then like there are like little like low-key snide remarks made about it throughout the film, which is like just brilliant because it was like a just delicately dropped there, you know? Um, but like in a way that's like stinging and biting and, and ever present. Yeah. 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 It was good. I was not expecting to like feel that it, I don't know. I was just sat there thinking, Oh, Oh, they're going there. Oh, they're talking about this. Oh, this needs to be talked about more. Oh, okay. So I felt like it covered a lot of things for me that I okay. wasn't expecting. All I'm right. curious to see your thoughts on it when you see it. I, I'm sure I'm going to love it. But Homework for you. Yes, homework for me. Homework for you. I, I, I could always use more non-horror films to watch. Also, Emma Thompson is fucking fierce as fuck with yeah. her short-ass hair, mm-hmm. like sleek back. Ugh. I live for her. And Mindy Kaling looks so hot in this movie, too. Like, the costuming on this movie was flawless. Oh, yeah. Like, flawless as fuck blazers, prints, dresses. Like, oh, I lived for it. Anyway. See it. Okay. See it. I I give it my seal of approval. Oh, all right. Miss Wendy's seal of approval. I like it. Okay, do it. Talk to me about Los Espookies. Los Espookies. So, Los Espookies is a new show on HBO. We're three episodes in right now, half an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it takes place in a um, in a nondescript Latin American country. Uh, basically, there's there's uh, four friends who are uh, have a kind of like mystery ink type of business where they create horror experiences mm-hmm. for uh, various clients. Mm-hmm. For various clients. So it was created by um, Fred Armisen, um, SNL writer and uh, love of my life, uh, Julio Torres, and Ana Fabrega. And they are both, they all three come from various uh, um, Latin American backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But uh, the show 
one thing that's immediately relevant is the show is uh, entirely in Spanish. Mm. So it's actually um, subtitled in English. Mm-hmm. And then when the when English is spoken, it's subtitled in Spanish. But it's very kooky, very it's like a love letter to the kind of Latinx fascination with horror and spooky things. Cool. And um, so the first episode uh, is available on YouTube for um, uh, for free. So to get your you know your appetite uh, your appetite uh, palatable, but basically they um, are hired by a priest at an orphanage to um, it, because he feels neglected by his uh, by everyone because a new priest came in. So in order to stay relevant, he hires them to fake an exorcism, and then they do it. So they but it's really really fun and. Um, I learned I learned many Spanish words that I didn't know before. Nice. And um, and yeah, and it's just super. It's kind of absurd, and it's very queer too. Because Julio Torres, who you know, he also stars in it, and he plays Andres um, Andres Valdez, who is the heir apparent to a chocolate fortune. Okay. <laughs> so he's the he's the uh, the Príncipe de Chocolate, and he's has this like mysterious background and secret, but he has like a boyfriend and you know, it's so, it's really funny and, um, and it's really cute and delightful. And I think people should, more people should be watching it. This is a show that is I don't think. Is it scary or no. is it cute and delightful? It's cute and delightful. It's scary the way like Scooby-Doo is scary. Like oh, it's okay. not, it's not a. Because <laughs> Scooby-Doo is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> There's, <they're, laughs> it's really interesting because then they do like, um, they get hired in the second episode. They get hired by a mysterious woman. And that's how they refer to her. They say Mujer Misteriosa. Mm-hmm. Um, to basically, um create a uh to scare people out of an inheritance so like there's this crazy billionaire who um in his will said that the person who's who the five uh five people get invited to the house uh to his mansion and whoever stays the night um will win his fortune Hmm. but then they get hired to like scare people out of the mansion (laughs) and it's so funny because like one of them is like the American ambassador and she's like Elle Woods, but like a total like Orange County Trump type. Oh. And she's like getting airlifted in a helicopter and drops a bunch of like green cards. She's like, no, don't touch them. They're dirty now. They don't work. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. That's awesome. Cool. All right. I'll so that's your homework. Okay. Okay. I get late night and you get lots of spookies. Done and done. Yes. Let's do it. Um, I want to talk to you about So You Think You Can Dance. I was about to sing the Dancing with the Stars. What? I was about to sing the Dancing with the Stars theme. No, that's wrong. That's... Yes. But So You Think You Can Dance is... Dun, 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 dun. I'm telling you, it's it's different. Yes. Important. Important and scholarly difference. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so You Think You Can Dance, as I said before, is the dumbest name for a television show ever. However, the talent on this show is fucking banana sandwich. It's amazing. Um, and every su- it's always a summer season right after Idol ends. And... By the way, can we cancel American Idol ever? Yeah, absolutely. Forever and always? No one asked for it. We don't need it. No one ever asked you to return, Idol. Get rid of it. Anyway, So You Think You Can Dance is always 
amazing. Um, and every year they do it a little bit differently. It's always Nigel Lithgow. It's always Mary, what's her name? The one who screams a lot, Mary Murphy. She's the ballroom expert. Nigel Lithgow is like a tapper, an old school hoofer. Oh. Who choreographed the apple. Do you know this movie? The apple, like do, do the, the apple. apple. <laughs> The crazy apple. Yes, he, he choreographed the apple. He choreographed that. Oh yeah. my god! He's so he's high. <laughs> oh yeah, he old as fuck. Oh my god. Um, mm-hmm. So Nigel Lithgow and Mary Murphy. Nigel Lithgow is like the executive producer of the whole shebang, right? Mary Murphy's on it every year. She screams a lot, but she knows her fucking ballroom shit. Um, and I really love the judges panel this year because they have Laurieann Gibson, who oh. choreographed for Lady Gaga. Um, and then also... She used to have her own show. Did she? I think she had her own show at one point. Whatever she does, she is everything. She is like this fierce, amazing woman who just has really valuable feedback for like everyone. Even dancers that like they know are not going to make it on the show. She's still like is dialed in and connected and like gives attention to every single dancer. And she's really, really wonderful. Um, and then Dominic, um, who was a former contestant on So You Think You Can Dance, but then had a lot of success with like the Jabberwockies and he danced with, um, maybe he didn't dance with the Jabberwockies, but he danced with like America's Best Dance Crew. Like he won that. He went by Dietrich, I think, whatever his hip hop name is. But regardless... He might be, it might be Jabberwockies, actually. He might have danced with the Jabberwockies, but um, regardless, he's amazing. And he's also really knowledgeable in the feedback that he's giving. So every year I feel like the judges panel can go like, meh, either way. <laughs> you know, like last year they had like Vanessa Hutchins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was just real dumb <laughs> and stupid. And she was like, I'm so into voguing right now. And I was like, oh, uh... we hate you. <laughs> uh... But this year, I feel like the panel's really solid. And so right now, we are four episodes in. They've done the audition rounds. (gasps) The audition. The auditions. So once we choose the top 10 friends, I'm going to be in it. And I'm going to give you weekly updates because this is the only glitter sport you've left me with right now. I know. Not until the fall when we get our hopefully Dancing with the Stars back. However, I will be so mad if there's a fourth judge and if that fourth judge is Adam Rapon. No, he was on Dancing with the Stars Junior, remember? Yes, I do remember. The Junior. Junerio, yes, I remember. That was the best. Oh like my God. literally like one sentence of feedback for every kid. That was it. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. I just wanted to look at that and be like, it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> be like, step your pussy up. Yes. Dad. I know. Oh God, so good. Um, all right. So that's that's Glitter what I have sports. to say about that. And yes, I do think I can dance. So yes, I do. Is Thanks. it so comma you think you can dance? Question mark. No, it's so you think you can dance. No expletive. <laughs> <laughs> no grammar. So it's not so. You think you can dance. <laughs> so judgy bitch, you think you could dance. No, there's no so comma. You think you can dance. This has now become Grammar the Podcast. <laughs> no, so you thought you was a dancer, huh? None of that, no. It's like dot, 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 so you think you can dance. That's kind of what it implies. 
<laughs> I don't know. However, they break it down. This is what I mean when I say it's the dumbest <laughs> name for a TV show ever. It's dumb as hell. But I'm here for it. I love it. So you think you can dance. <laughs> so you think you could dance. <laughs> dance. <laughs> that is how we should always say it. Dance! So, you think you could dance? Get those nuts out of my face. That's basically it. Oh, yep. my God. Oh, that's what I got there for you. That's it. You're welcome for all those line readings, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, you think you can dance? <laughs> got it. <laughs> so, you think you can dance? So, you think you can dance. Oh, I know I could dance. <laughs> exactly. Oh, goodness. We just need like Billy Porter doing every version of that possible. Mother Porter is here with us in the room. That's what's happening right now. Talk to me about Big Little Lies. Oh, Another my God. HBO. Another HBO. box office series. Another like icon of gay culture, apparently. I didn't realize how, how big Big Little Lies is among queers. Really? Because they love, oh, man. I think it's just the diva aspect of it. They just love all of these, like, you know, I love, I personally have the always The Monterrey loved, Five. Yes, the Monterrey Five. I have always personally enjoyed the problems of rich white women. Mm. So, you know, mm-hmm. and also, like, Renata Klein is the best. She is everything. <laughs> Laura Dern. <laughs> Laura Dern. I want you to be my best friend. Laura Dern needs to win all the Emmys for that. Because didn't Nicole Kidman win last year? Um, Reese, I thought, won. Reese or Nicole won. It was one. They I were nominated Reese against won each for other. Producing the series, I believe. I think Nicole won. I think she uses a platform. We're going to have to do a little more homework on that before our Emmys episode. True. Yeah. Don't add us. We're going to, we'll figure it out. We'll figure that out. It's okay. Nobody's going to add us because there's only seven people listening to us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say this. If they're going to add us, they're going to text you and be like, they're going to be like, Wendy, you're wrong. They'll just text me directly (laughs) because everybody who listens to this has my number. Okay. Hey, by the way, if you figured it out, listener, and you know, just (laughs) just text Wendy right now and be like, uh, you're wrong. It was so-and-so who, uh, basically, um, this season is really all about Meryl Streep. Well, yeah. First of all, rare that Meryl Streep is doing television, period. Yeah. So this is huge, and it had to be, like, the right role for her to do. And she is everything yes. in this and you're not caught up are you no i'm i'm kind of waiting i'm waiting to get to five episodes and then i'm gonna binge it i'm not saying anything because Don't, i know some I... of our listeners have also not caught up so i'm okay. not saying anything all i'm spoiler saying, free spoiler free meryl streep and her fucking teeth <laughs> are she... everything because she knows she has like dental implants is she it. wearing flappers oh my god she's definitely wearing like a denture oh my in god. this and it's absolutely some kind of brilliant character choice because only Meryl Streep does shit like that I I can't get enough of her and she's playing Perry's mother right mm-hmm. <sighs> no <Yes>. wonder <laughs> yes wow. oh god it's so good it's so good. I want to talk to you about like every episode of it. And okay, I can't. I will catch up. That will be my second piece of homework. I'll yes. catch up. And then we'll do this in July. Also, fly hard left. Zoe Kravitz got married last weekend. Congrats to you, Zoe Kravitz. Who did she get married to? 
Um, her boyfriend <laughs> from wherever. I don't know. Forever. From wherever. Yeah. Congrats. She got married up in Paris this weekend. Hey. Congrats, Miss Lestrange. Congrats. Yes. Um, <laughs> that takes us through our non-pride events. Yes. Okay. So we are now taking a hard right, then left, then zigzag. Down Lombard Street. Down Lombard Street. <laughs> Through uh, hold on, I feel like we should have pride like music and because this the rest of this is all gay corners. Like we should. you came into my life. I think that it should be like I'm everyone that is all in me. Yeah, all of it. That's right now. All of it. Yeah. Shaka Khan. Um, all things just keep getting better. There it is. So this go. is World Pride this year was in New York. It's the 50th anniversary of Pride and the Stonewall Riots. Um, so this was the first year that World Pride happened in New York on the 50th anniversary. Uh, it was a big damn deal yeah. in New York. If you were living under a rock, mm. you would have figured this shit out. Yeah, World Pride was huge this year. And to be in New York during Pride this year was like amazing. So... Um, in lieu of that, there's so many pride things to talk about. Yes, because everyone decided to come out, question mark, you know, exclamation point, exclamation point. All of the gay happened. So I'd like to talk a little bit about Tales of the City. Okay. Okay. Joe is pursed mouth, eyebrow raised, head cocked to the side now. Talk to me about it, Wendy, he says. Talk hmm, to me. Tell me your thoughts. Now, first of all, I'm going to start with Armistead Maupin. Mm-hmm. Who wrote nine books in the Tales of the City series? I have read all of them. Oh. Which means I'm a gayer man than Joe is. I don't like to read, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Joe is illiterate. Yes, I am illiterate. <laughs> He's illiterate. I don't like to read. And a little less gay. I like to read Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> And the trades. <laughs> yep. So I, I, years ago, read like the original six books of the Tales of the City series. Mm-hmm. And then Armistead Maupin released like three more. Um, Marianne and Autumn. I don't know if I'm doing this in order. Michael Tolliver Lives. And then Anna Madrigal, like the life and times of Anna, Anna Madrigal. Madrigal. Um, so these are all of the nine books. And so Netflix released Tales of the City present day so laura linney who played marion stapleton in like the 80s when pbs released uh, the miniseries on yeah it. Mm-hmm. and olympia dukakis who plays anna madrigal um all of these people returned to play these parts again so brian and michael tolliver and shauna and all that whatever so all the characters are there again um except like, it's not by the book. It's definitely, like, it's goes off thing. course of the book. There are definitely, like, themes. And the books are so, like, operatic, you know? They're so... Yeah. it's very melodrama. Very much so. Super telemundo. So there's so much happening and so many stories that are intertwined that, like, nine books later, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that thing. And, and- oh, yeah. And like the 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 tales the first tales of the city book is actually just the novel form of the serialized uh, story that he was telling in the chronicle, right? Was it the chronicle? I don't it was even it was in a newspaper in San Francisco, and basically every every chapter is really short because it was all like in a newspaper, and it was just a serialized story that he was telling week by week. 
I don't even remember. I read the book so damn long ago. But yeah, but that's the context. It's like yeah. you can have like, you know, it's not a bingeable it's not in a bingeable format. It was like, you know, mm-hmm. serialized. So you have um you have this you can go weird and crazy mm-hmm. in different directions. Yeah, and I think that's why I did read all of the books in such quick succession because yeah. they were short, like easy reads, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then this new Netflix series comes out and now Ellen Page is playing Shauna and um, Ashley Park was on it and um, Bob the Drag Queen. Bob the Drag Queen is in it. Um, Olympia Dukakis is back. Laura Linney's back. All of this. Okay. So I had mixed feelings about the present day series. Um, the new Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Go on. We're listening. I mean, I watched it because, because. You felt obligated, maybe. Kind of felt obligated after having read, like, so much of it, you know? Um, the first episode was, like, real schmackty. <laughs> you know? Yes, it was. It was definitely, like, cornball cheese schmackty. We get it. You uh, have fond memories of living at Barbary Lane, I Miss. get it. 28 Barbary Lane, we get you. <laughs> Solid. She there. like walks in and she's like, oh, uh, everything's hey. big. I don't know why I'm frightened. I know exactly. my way around here. <laughs> I know. And then, you know, like, I think it relaxes a little bit into the episodes of it and it becomes more of a plot of, of somebody like is blackmailing Anna Madrigal to kind of sign over Barbary Lane to someone else. And, um, and so that kind of plot unfolds and, you know, it's not, it's not groundbreaking television by any means, but like, I think it did a good job of um, the present day yeah. moment. There was one scene in particular that like really, well, a couple. First of all, there's some hot gay sex in it. Oh, well, I haven't gotten there yet. So Okay. So some hot gay, gay, gay sex in it. Um, and then there is, a scene that happens at a dinner party with older gays and a young gay. And it was a really powerful scene because essentially the older gays are talking about like walking into a party and then there was just a bunch of trannies and blah, blah, blah. And then the young gay says, we don't use that word anymore. And then the older gays school young Ben Mm -hmm. on like, don't tell me what I can and cannot say. You didn't live through it. And we live through people dying. You spend your weekend at dinner parties. We spend our weekends in hospitals. You know, we watched all of our friends die. And it's this really important scene of like knowing, knowing the fight and knowing the struggle and knowing where this all came from, you know. Um, and it was, you know, in the middle of this kind of like schmackty melodramatic series yeah. was this one really powerful scene. That I loved. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts on it? You saw the first episode. I saw the first episode and I was just kind of like, okay, there are some, like, it. I. it's hard for me, for very many years, I loved watching any media I could about San Francisco. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, young queer kid living on an island, like, San Francisco represented something to me. Very, very special. And I feel like now, you know... <laughs> It's just kind of like, great. We now it's like there's the the 
the convergence of like tech social media culture and then also like modern queer life. And I feel like mm-hmm. this is at the center of that in this particular uh, series is Barbary Lane. And cause you have like the, the twins with mm-hmm. their personas and all of that. I'm just kind of like, you know, did we need this? Like, and, and what of, what of this is like entirely like fan servicey, like, mm-hmm. and, and just ways for them to tell these stories but not have it fit anywhere. Cause they're, they're, cause if you want to have like a new series where it focuses on like young trans, like queer relationships, like go for it. But like when you're putting it into such an established property, such an established piece of like culture, it feels, it doesn't feel right. And it feels disingenuous almost. Mm-hmm. It feels like we got to make it relevant. So let's have a, let's put in a, a trans nurse who now is thinking that they might actually have feelings for men. Which is interesting because Jake is a character in the books. Really? Yes. Ah. Jake is a very prominent character in the books. And so like in this series, he is someone who is like one of the youngers, one mm-hmm. of the new to Barbary Lanes. And that's not the case. Like maybe he was younger than Marianne and Michael in the books, but his trans story is very important in the books. Fascinating. Yeah. And that this was This is why I should read. And it <laughs> this is why. But it was portrayed very very differently for a modern audience in this series. So again, Aww. the difference between like books and and this and like the whole Dee Dee and Connie thing, like I kind of very vaguely remember that storyline and forgot that like Shauna, her parentage, like I forgot all of that. Yeah. I still am not clear on all of that because the stories are so intertwined and yeah. and complex. But but yeah, moments like that and like and I'm glad that they they have Later in the series, they have an episode that um, tells Anna's story as a young trans woman. Mm-hmm. Because I'm watching the whole series, I'm like three, four episodes in, and like it's not even mentioned that Anna is trans, you know. And that is like the crux of the first two, three books, you know, revealing that she is a trans woman and like that she's one of the oldest trans women publicly in San Francisco and you know she was like the oldest one why she's an institution yeah yeah and like why she holds this like pillar of San Francisco gay culture you know that didn't really translate so much in the Netflix series but in the books very much it does so I don't know I mean they're very very different mediums but but it was interesting for me to kind of like see both of them. Yeah, for sure. And it was the kind of thing that I was like, no, I'll watch an episode before bed. No, okay, whatever, you know. And that was kind of it. So I didn't lose sleep over it. Wasn't groundbreaking to me. <laughs> but it had had some moments it's a, in it. It's fun. And it's, again, representation. It had some moments. And Armistead Maupin's books are absolutely like classic gay literature. And they were seminal literature for for gay culture especially in like the early 80s 90s you know yeah in terms of like what san francisco was like and the rise of AIDS culture and all of that like absolutely so so yeah what did joshua say to me he was like you've read all of the books (laughs) (laughs) what did he say he's like yeah he's like you read all the books 
Yes, because Wendy was on a recent episode of Fright School talking about Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, that's right. So yeah, go and go and too. listen to that. Go and see Fright School. Listen to Fright School. But Joshua basically told me that I was an honorary gay man because I yes. read all of Armistead Mop. And books. I have not. Well, there you go. I've read half the first one. You only read half of the first book? I couldn't make it through. You are a vicious liar. You told me you read the first book. I sure did. You sure lied to me. Filthy liar. Get yes. out of my house right now. <laughs> I'm coming clean to you. Oh, my Lord. On the air. In front of all of our in sevens front of, of listeners. The, in front of God and, and the world. <laughs> and Armistead Moppin. And Armistead Moppin. There you go. Wow. Wow. Filth. Shame. Shame I, on you. I speak the truth now here before you. All right. Well, you got homework to do now. Yes. Finish that damn series. Oh, Jesus. I know. See, I all time of... to read nine books. No, you don't have to read the nine books. You have to finish the one. <laughs> finish one book. I might as well read the nine books, Wendy. <laughs> finish watching the series. Okay. Homework. <laughs> Ugh. Wow. She, you know she's a teacher. She signs homework like nothing. You. I'm clocking you. <laughs> Um, I'm going to get a text message like a week from now. Like, did you finish reading? Are you done? You can't go to that parade. And you'll see my face looking at you too. Like, mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) listeners, you can see my face right now, right? Mm. Yeah. Somewhere someone's like, oh, I heard that. Mm -hmm. I heard that look. (laughs) Mm. You hear it. Um, Let's talk about Megan Rapinoe having her awesomely queer moment right now on behalf of women's soccer. Yes. Uh, Megan Rapinoe is on the um, U.S. women's national team for uh, soccer or football. Mm-hmm. Um, and currently they, as of recording this on uh, Independence sports, Day. Sports, sports, sports. Uh, they are in the finals of the FIFA World Cup, the Women's mm-hmm. World Cup, which will be played in a couple days. So hopefully we can say that they are victorious. Yes. And so Megan Rapinoe very, very famously said, I'm not going to the fucking white house. No. Um, at which point our president, <laughs> um, decided to like clap back at her and like make it this big example of her and, and take out a full page ad and call for her death. <laughs> oh God, no. But he said shit like, you know, how about you win first and blah, blah, blah. And whatever. Like he's just such a pompous ass. Anyway. Um, Megan Rapinoe was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to the White House. No, I won't because no. she's using her platform in a way uh, that really defends her, her ideology and her yeah. people and her fans, and um, and so she's also like absolutely putting her money where her mouth is, right? So not only did she say like, no, fuck you, I'm not going to the White House. She then proceeded to like score two goals and like pose about it. <laughs> and like, yeah. and now is becoming this amazing like internet meme of like, eat my shit Trump. Like, yes. that, you know, and um, she's just this like glorious representation right now of like, I don't need a president's approval. No. I don't agree with your politics, but I'm still an American and I'm still playing for this country. And, and, you know, we believe in what we're doing. So. And you know what they need to do? They need to freaking pay them more or the same, but more than the men. They need to pay them. These women have been fighting for this, literally fighting for equal pay mm-hmm. since like maybe two 
since the last one or at least two FIFA World Cups ago, mm-hmm. and they still haven't gotten it. They need to be getting. They have they have scored more goals in that one match against Thailand mm-hmm. than the entire FIFA Men's World Cup team played in the last three FIFA World Joe Cups. Joe is getting so heated. They need to pay them. Time is up. Time is up. Time's up. I keep bringing it every time someone talks about the women's soccer team. I I I'm always in there. Yeah, and they need to pay them. They need to pay them. Goddamn right. They need to pay them the same. They need to pay them more because these women are athletes. They are they are almost doing it for the love of the game. Josephine. Yeah. I hate to break it to you, but that's across every single industry that women make less than men. I, I just <laughs> I'm just putting that out there for I you. I hear that. Uh, I accept it. I put it. it. I put it in this heart. Take it in. Good. Got it. But like that being said, in this instance, in this instance, and as a, in this instance, and as and and let it serve as a microcosm for the like larger discussion of the pay wage gap. (laughs) Times up. Times up. Goddamn right. Um, you saw Eddie Izzard. I did. Eddie Izzard is currently on tour in uh, in their Wunderbar tour. Tell me about it. So, um, I've never seen Eddie Izzard uh, live before, and I'm only f- uh, familiar with some of his comedy on what I've seen on Comedy Central and different mm-hmm. specials. And, um, and so this show was very interesting and a new experience for me. It was two hours long with a 15-minute intermission, a, okay. comedy, a comedy show, uh, two costume changes, of course. Um, and basically, Eddie Izzard came out and was like, yeah, so I'm... How do they identify? Is that um, clear? Trans... Oh. Identify openly as trans now. Because trans female? Trans, I don't know, because they kept saying they. So I'm using the they pronoun they. because it mm-hmm. feels it feels that that was very apparent in the show. Okay. But um I I went with Joshua mm-hmm. and I was talking with Joshua about it and he's like, Yeah, um in in previous in previous uh um in previous specials, uh, Eddie Izzard would talk about how they're just like a transvestite. Like they, mm-hmm. they're straight, but they wear clo- these clothes. And um, in this particular one, he's like, no, I'm, I'm trying. Like he is there saying trans. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh, okay, interesting. So, mm-hmm. but what's fascinating is that um, this is the last show, probably the last tour that Eddie's going to do for a while because um, they're going to run for member of parliament. That is what I did see. And I think that was when they came out as trans, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they got like a really like, (laughs) they got this like very like kind of like a Emma Thompson Mm -hmm. right now haircut and, and it just looked gorgeous and, you know, snatched. And, but the comedy itself was very, it was very interesting because it was kind of almost stream of consciousness, but it was really absurd. And while still drawing like parallels to things that are happening now, but going back into history. Mm-hmm. And I watched um, Eddie Izzard's uh, uh, interview with Trevor Noah on The Daily Show talk right before the, he launched the tour or they launched the tour. And they said, yeah, like, I don't like to talk about, I don't like to tell too many stories that are rooted in like my life because I feel it's alienating. I like to think about history and things that we can draw from that mm-hmm. are more universal. So that way it can speak more universally. Interesting. But um, Eddie's done this show in like four different languages. Whoa. Has tried to, ha- did it in France in French, did it in Germany in German. Wow. And is working on doing it um, in Spanish speaking countries in Spanish. And wow. yeah, yeah. Wow, that's brilliant. So brilliant, um, but I've also never been to a two-hour-long uh, comedy seems like show. Much. 
Yeah. But it was it was hilarious and it was fun and there was like a great takedown of a heckler. Mm-hmm. Um that <laughs> was a great takedown of a heckler and Eddie was like, "You know, I have been doing this for many years. Like I've, <laughs> you know, I I don't need your help. I've been I'm quite experienced. Thank you." And mm-hmm. just kept bringing it back and it just a testament to the genius. So. Yeah. Yay, Eddie Izzard. Yay. Kudos to Eddie Izzard. Um do you want to take us through the Netflix? Not the Netflix, I'm sorry, the YouTube. So Josephine texts me and says, I'm adding a lot of YouTube links to our list to cover this month. Yes. A lot of pride-related YouTube. Because it had kind of exploded moment. this month. It exploded. And I had seen some of it. I had heard some of it referenced. And then Josephine put it all in a nice, convenient list for me to watch all in one. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I have I have 15 minutes at work to put this together. I will I will drop it into like, our... Let me school the children. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. So um, I'm going to talk about... Let's, let's talk about, uh, just as a bridge to Pride Month, um, let's talk about Billy Porter and uh, Carpool Karaoke. That wasn't carpool karaoke. Oh no! That was well, Broadway, Broadway, Broadway intermission karaoke. Yes, it was commercial um, break. Yes, karaoke. commercial break karaoke, and you know, <laughs> and that we probably should have talked about in our Tony's episode last True. month. But these clips didn't come out no. until like a couple days after we had recorded our Tony's episode. Exactly. So we're talking about it now as a bridge. Yeah. And I, I'm easily responsible for at least ten thousand watches of I this. I have watched it. Several times. Also, like, let's get Billy Porter back on Broadway, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also, Billy Porter's just like, let me just make up some lyrics to some of the most famous music <laughs> yeah. ever, Gypsy. Thanks. Yeah. And I should Thank know you, these bitch. words, and I don't, but I don't care because I'm fucking yeah. Mother Porter. And let are. me walk onto this stage, <sighs> which was, like, probably the best thing. So, Billy Porter... Like, is handed the karaoke book during a commercial break. And he says, okay, I'll sing this one. Curtain up. Right? Immediately. Like, everything's coming up roses from Gypsy. And so, immediately sings his face off. Like, blasts the mic. Everyone starts, like, freaking out over him. And then he runs the whole damn song. Mm -hmm. During a commercial break, no less. And got a standing ovation. At Radio City Music Hall. During a commercial break. Yeah. Not ever televised, nothing. And so the footage of it came from like cell phones, from James Corden's people filming. Like, this is one of those moments where it's like, you're fine to be on your cell phone. Like, they need it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, God. It was so great, though. And it was such a moment of like, you can tell like some people who are really enjoying their success right now when someone comes from Broadway. Oh, yeah. That talent is so inherently there. All yeah. the time. So regardless of like all the looks he's slaying on the runway right now and regardless of the success with Pose and everything else, like he comes from Broadway church roots and that doesn't go away. So of course he's going to stand up and just belt some shit from Gypsy r- right quick and yeah. school the children. And he did. He sure shit oh, did. God. It was so good. It was so good. Uh, let's talk about the pride anthem of the month. Uh, by one Miss Todrick Hall. Okay, go ahead. Take us through it. Um, the the song, which the children need to know about, is Nails, Hair, Hips, Heels. Mm-hmm. The four things in life, right? Mm-hmm. Nail, nail, 
<laughs> Sorry, it's it's so fun to say. Try to say nails, hair, hips, heels mm-hmm. is basically. And Todrick releases this. Um, Todrick releases this video that instantly goes viral mm-hmm. because it's basically um, seventy men in heels and like like pleather cat suits doing like this insane choreography with these like intermittent pops of color of like neon eighties pop of mm-hmm. like a heel, a glove, a belt and a jewelry, like a necklace. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like a beaded necklace. Yeah. And they're all like color coded. And then later in the song, all of the colors kind of get intermingled and switched up and, yeah, and it's and there's also, of course, you know, as with every YouTube thing, there's a behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So in the behind the scenes, he talks about how you know, growing up, Beyonce's "Get Me Bodied" video was like entirely an inspiration. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we should do one. And then he came up with like the last like two minutes of the song mm-hmm. is basically the gay version of "Get Me Bodied," oh, yeah. and it's just so it's fascinating because like seventy five men, you know, easily maybe a third of them, maybe two thirds of them are queer but there definitely are straight dancers in that and it's just yeah the attitude the body that they serve that was so cool though too to hear like the one or two straighties talk about their experience working on this choreo as like straight dancers but who have you know they have queer brothers and this was like a really empowering thing for them to do to dance in heels yeah for that many days you know for that many days for that long of a song consistently like yeah I couldn't do it. Yeah. Shit's hard, man. It's also catchy as fuck. Like it is is the gay anthem of the year. It really is. It's fun. It's poppy. It's like a cool beat and it's fast moving, but it's visually so beautiful to look at. Yeah. Easily responsible for 20,000 views of this video. (laughs) And it's so uh, like tight. It's really synced up beautifully. Yeah. And speaking of Todrick Hall, Let's talk about uh, him producing, uh, helping produce uh, the music video for his BFF Taylor Swift in oh. uh, You Need to Calm Down. Did he produce that? He's responsible for, like, I think he's one of the producers, if not directors of it, but he is attached to it creatively. Got it. Okay, so let's talk about the people in featured in this video. Yes. Like, everyone. All the gays. Everyone. Yeah. So all the Queer Eye guys, RuPaul... A bunch of the queens doing their celebrity impersonations. The queens. Um, Katy Perry. Katy, Katy Perry. Yeah. Um, you got uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson and his oh, husband, yeah. Just mm-hmm. Makita. Um, Laverne Cox, like oh. Tyler Oakley. Like they're all, all of the gays are in it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it's like... I've heard some really great things and I've heard some really scathing things like? about it. So, yeah. So, that's like, you know... The scathe, I'll, I'll go in the scathing because the good things, it's like representation mm-hmm. and like, you know, Taylor Swift is very, very much using this as a platform mm-hmm. to, <laughs> using this as a platform to, uh, um, uh, to bring light of these issues and kind of reinforce her allyship mm-hmm. in the queer community, right? But the scathing parts of it is just like it feels, it feels like literally every all the queer people are props for the one moment where her and Katy Perry are the are reconciled because of that long kind of beef that's been between them, and the two of them come together in in like a food fight, mm-hmm. and then also like. It's they the another critique of it is that it's kind of it's misplaced her anger or who she's talking to. Like she's talking to the like 
right wing conservative her a lot of her a lot of her base and fanship from the country days which mm-hmm. is like white ring conservative christian you know type yeah. folk when in actuality it's the you know it's not just them it's also like the politician you know it's people who are actually in positions of power to affect and cause affect change and cause real harm mm-hmm. what what was the beef between her and Katy Perry? I don't know exactly, don't know but either. it but it's been for a while, mm-hmm. and like there are, it's always been said that like there are certain songs that she's done, that Katy's done, that are always that are both in response. Like "Swish Swish" is supposed to be about Katy. It's supposed to be about mm-hmm. Taylor Swift, but there's like something there. But then you see like Katy Perry wearing her um, outfit from the Met Gala this year, the mm-hmm. camp outfit, the the burger, mm-hmm. um, wearing that in the thing, looking for Taylor Swift. And it was just like, the critique is that it all of that was just a way for them to center it around the reconciliation of two white women. Mm-hmm. I... But the, again, okay. this is a critique of it. And I, I get that. Yeah. So respect to that critique. I, in hindsight, I did not watch it that carefully. Yeah, I exactly. watched it one time and yes, one time only. As did I. And I thought, huh, this is interesting that there's so many cameos in this. Um, and it's a catchy song, and that's cool. I did not read into that kind of symbolism at all. Um, but I mean, I think that if someone like Todrick Hall is producing it, yeah, if he's co signing it, you're that right. He would be on the front lines of how how gay culture is is or isn't being seen as as props. Yeah. The other thing too is that people think it's queer baiting because there has been a I, I don't know if you knew this but there's a, been a lot of speculation that this is the year that within the next couple months Taylor Swift's going to come out as uh, bisexual. Really? Yeah. This is something that's been kind of pervading the culture right now. Hmm. <laughs> huh. And so, like, she was supposed to, like, ha- have, like, a cover story on a magazine. And some people thought that this was her way of, like, paving the way and making it okay to be gay or whatever. Okay. Um I bring this uh, I bring this up mainly uh, because uh, the comedian Matt Rogers, um, who I follow, he did a in anticipation of the full drop and release of Taylor Swift's album. He did an entire like Instagram story where he sang clips from the album, but they're not. He made up the songs, mm-hmm. and they're hilarious. Huh. Um, um, I'll show you it on Instagram because it's on the stories there, but it's just like. Like one song is called Poppers, <laughs> one song is called Yas, featuring JVN. Like, and he also just is super tapped into kind of Taylor Swift's uh, Taylor Swift's way of doing songs. So we'll have to I'll have to show you that when we're off the air. Okay, you know I'm here for it. And then finally, you know, Pride Month would not be complete without a coming out. So the last of our YouTube videos is uh, I'm Gay uh, by Eugene Lee Yang of the Try Guys and BuzzFeed fame, YouTube fame. Mm-hmm. And it is a very beautiful and, and probably the most highly produced and expensive YouTube coming out video that's ever been made. Okay, so a word on this. Yes. Josephine had to explain to me what, what and who the Try Guys are. Yes. I had no idea. <laughs> When Eugene posted this video that I'm gay, like I saw it out there in the cosmos. I had no idea. No context, right? No context. So I didn't know that this was someone who was already kind of internet YouTube famous. I had no idea. Um, 
And so Joe, just tonight at dinner, <laughs> explained all of this to me. Um, and I think that the video itself is beautiful. My thoughts on the behind the scenes of it. Because there is also a like very short behind the scenes doc. It's not on a, it. a short one. That's like a half hour. Well, I mean, it's a ha- it, a documentary could be an hour long, right? So, I mean, in I guess in YouTube world, a half an hour is a long time. So no, because Todrick did his behind the scenes, and that was like ten minutes. Okay. Cool. Yes. Great. I stand corrected. I'll watch ten minutes. Yeah. Great. So Eugene releases his "I'm Gay," right? Everyone watches it. How long is that spot? What, like eight minutes? It's Five, like, eight minutes? yeah, yeah, eight minutes. Something like that. Okay, cool. The making of, the behind the scenes of it was like 30 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, bitch, why is this episodic? What? <laughs> so then it's 30 minutes of him talking nonstop at you about himself. And it's like really kind of self-indulgent. I don't know. Your thoughts. Well, again, I, I, I'm and knowing who he is and what he means to YouTube culture specifically. Mm-hmm. I, YouTube culture is inherently self-indulgent, right? I wouldn't know. Yeah. I'm too old. <laughs> I'm old as fuck. So like guys. YouTube, I, I, I feel like I'm just young enough. I'm just millennial enough to. And to I am get, just not millennial enough. To, I'm like <laughs> beyond that. I'm one generation above you. I just, it's just, I'm just millennial enough to get that it is, um, to get that it is a thing. You know, to get that, like, it's to get YouTube in general and that's mm-hmm. self-indulgent. And he's been, he has been working in this space and working in this, in that culture for years and years and years. And I always thought that, like, oh, Eugene's gay. Like, isn't it obvious that Eugene's gay? He just never commented on it publicly. And, you know, we, he looks amazing in drag and makeup. Like, mm-hmm. he's just, he knows how to turn a look. Like, he is, he's got to be queer. But he's never spoken about it. And I think what was... What I appreciated from the documentary as, you know, self-indulgent as it was talking mm-hmm. about, because he's talking about, you know, his, this is like his life. I, I Here's the thing. I don't mind him talking about him or his life or this project, right? Like, obviously that's what it's for. I think it was like the ADD Ritalin, like nonstop sped up version of him talking about himself that was bothering me. Yeah. You can definitely, as someone who has been there, right. I can definitely see that. Okay. This is someone who is not entirely, is still not entirely comfortable with make, with this decision to put this out there in Mm -hmm. the world, but is like actively doing it in order to, in order to participate and in order to, to force himself to be a little mm-hmm. more comfortable. Right. Yeah. And like, I think the one thing that really stuck with me, he's like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be happy. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I, I, it just makes me question why I do that in the first place. And, you know, you, you can tell that he, I can only imagine the conversations he's had to have with his children or with his children, with his family mm-hmm. and his parents specifically, but like being, being explicitly out and gay and Asian American mm-hmm. from Texas, like mm-hmm. there's all these things talking about his different identities and that this is something that's important to him. It's who he is at his core. So I can appreciate that, but it was, there were moments where I was like, yeah, but I also, I just write that off as YouTube. Like that's just a YouTube thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and again, just, I think I write that off as I'm old. Yeah. I'm old and I don't get it. But I loved his explanation of 
you know, like the concept behind it and that every scene kind of being identified and marked as a color of the rainbow and yeah. um, that kind of really clarified that. And Different forms, di- mm-hmm. different stories over his life of mm-hmm. what these different things mean and also the amount of thought that was put into every not only choreography but every visual every costume the makeup costumes were beautiful mm-hmm. like definitely yeah there's no like my coming out was not like that at all yeah. <laughs> no no I didn't have two cranes at my coming out I would imagine out. that a lot of people's coming out is not like that at all yeah. <laughs> with a budget yeah. and cameras and costumes and stylists yeah yeah and again like this is also like an insanely privileged way to come out because it's he has this platform he has this voice Very he much so. was able he's able to process a lot in private and still like portray in public a particular way of a particular way of being so you know we're not saying that everyone needs to come out in this way but we're definitely saying that like it it helps it's going to help somebody it's yeah. going to help somebody for sure for sure, sure. I mean, is that a wrap on our on our YouTube queerness? That's a wrap. I think it is. My goodness. <sighs> Heavens. Okay. Heavens to Betsy. Heavens. Well, we have a lot coming up for you still uh, this month in July. We're going to be releasing an artist spotlight, the artist we're spotting this month, yes. mid-month. Um, and that... We'll be coming up to you... Maybe a week or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mid-month or so. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to be spotting... Should we share? Uh, Maybe we should? All right. So we're going to be sitting down with Juliette Lopez. Yes. Who works for Condé Nast. Yes, and is a very acclaimed actress. She is an Emmy-nominated producer as well and talks a lot about representation and um, uh, queer issues and and what that is like as a producer in in Hollywood and all of that and so yeah we sat down with her recently and we had like a real good conversation that was like a very all-encompassing conversation um we could have easily talked for three hours we really could have so stay tuned for that because that was a really really great interview with Jules and um and I'm excited for you guys to hear her little corner of the industry, which is actually a pretty huge corner of the industry, and um, hearing about her career was really cool. So listen up for that mid-July, and then, of course, we're going to come to you at the beginning of August with our July recap. And in July, there's a lot coming up. We're going to cover San Diego Pride. Comic-Con. Comic-Con. Maybe this is the year that Wendy goes to Comic-Con. Maybe. uh, The last season of Orange is the New Black. The yeah. Beyonce Lion King. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes, you all children. The Beyonce Lion King alone. Does that need to be its own episode? You I mean, think, I mean Lemonade King? <laughs> um, okay, Donald Glover and Beyonce. Mm. Okay, Chiwetel for Billy Eichner as Timon. I'm I'm here already. And J. Joe still as Mufasa. Yes, here for it. Here for did it. Did you call him J. Joe? Sure did. <laughs> James Earl Jones. <laughs> J. Joe. Um, <laughs> hey, Josephine. Oh, yes. Um, oh, all right, y'all. You. So we are, uh, we're going to keep chugging through the summer. Yeah, here we are. Um, we're going to do it. Hey, like and subscribe us on iTunes. And rate us. Rate us. 
Write us a review if you enjoy us. Yes. And if you don't, keep that to yourself. If you don't like us, we don't want to hear that shit. (laughs) I mean, whatever. Um, Follow us on Instagram at Art Time of the Month. And um, yeah. Anything else, Josephine? Uh, Happy Pride. Happy Pride to one and all. And enjoy your time of the month, kids.